Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Second Turnbuckle Podcast. My name is Toogie, joined as always with my co-host, Mr. Crash Andrews. I'm crash. <laughs> Inside joke. Inside joke. That it is. Crash, how are you, buddy? I'm, you know what? In all honesty, I am tired. I don't know what has happened this, like, this week, the last couple days or whatever, but I'm just, I'm gassed. I'm, I'm just running on fumes lately. I'm having dad naps on, during my dad naps. <laughs> I'm gonna take dad naps on top of my dad naps. Have you ever had those dreams where you're, like, dead tired in your dream? <laughs> Every day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you've lost many a battle with a couch lately. Oh during my God, yeah. During Thursday night footballs. Let's Well, let's, in fairness, Thursday night footballs put a lot of people to sleep, let me tell you. I was gonna say that's the next podcast idea is a Thursday night football only podcast. <laughs> God, please I mean, you know, that would be the uh that would be the experience. It would be. Talk of the town. Talk of the town, indeed. So tonight's a little bit different because we record this on Tuesday nights, and there was an edition of Dynamite tonight. Um, you know, they moved it up a day uh, for a variety of different reasons, and it's kind of at the forefront uh, for me, and I think for most people that might be listening to the show, hopefully as soon as it goes up, because this edition of Dynamite was fantastic. For me, this was an all-time dynamite i think the in-ring work delivered they had some great promos the the job they did in terms of like hyping up segments with more you know video packages beforehand i feel like pretty much every complaint you could typically have about a ring of honor except for people who will never view them as doing enough with the women or people who are outright burned out on anything ring of honor related which on a side note it was brought up today um by tony khan that, you know, they are aiming for Ring of Honor to... It was actually kind of a two-parter. Number one, Chris Jericho has signed a three-year extension with AEW. And, of course, he is the current Ring of Honor champion, had a match tonight. And they announced, you know, hey, 2023, there should be an ROH show uh, live, hopefully, in some way, shape, or form. So that was that was positive news. Outside of that, I don't see how anyone could complain about this Dynamite. But the unfortunate thing is, and Crash, I know you didn't get a chance to catch it as far as I, as far as I know, um, the final 10 minutes of the show where you have the world title match between John Moxley and Hangman Page, and Hangman Page gets injured. Um, where... I did see a little, bit, a little bit about that, where uh, they did have to bring the stretcher out, and the, the finish was a little wonky compared to, I'm sure, what everybody's expectations was. Right. So, obviously, like by default, you will have people that scream, work, 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 and hey, who knows, maybe, maybe they're right. Um, but... I also don't know if AEW would view that as worth the risk because of the way they handled this. Uh, you know, especially in the past, they caught a lot of flack a couple of years ago for the Matt Hardy incident, where I think it was a match with Sammy Guevara and he hit his head and was clearly like, there's no way he should continue. And he was allowed to finish the match. And they have still been catching flack for that, rightfully so, to this day. I believe that wasn't that one of like the backstage mayhem yes. matches? Where Something it was like, like that, a yeah. scaffolding spot, yeah. Yeah. So this, they handled this... I don't want to say with the severity of an Owen Hart, but in a sense, where they didn't show basically anything in regards to Hangman being down, aside from the initial moments after it happened, they show you that the refs are talking to him, and then after that, they didn't show him. They did not show him being stretchered out, nothing like that. They didn't try to milk it for anything. They treated it with the utmost severity. And again, you know, the cynical minds, internet-wise, we've been conditioned to say, it's a work, it's a work. I don't think they would have handled it that way. And honestly, I think if they did, it wouldn't, it, it wouldn't age well for them to have treated it so seriously for it to only be, you know, an injury, especially when there's been so much talk in AEW about injuries and the disclosure of injuries. That was one of the biggest stories this week that I was going to potentially touch up upon was, uh, you know, Tony Khan going on Ariel Hawani's show and not budging an inch in regards to discussing all outs or 
injuries and Ariel Hawani essentially throwing his toys out to Pram and uh, letting his WWE fandom show. If you, oh, Tony Khan didn't answer my questions. If you think WWE isn't a better show, you're out of your mind. Like, that was pretty disappointing from uh, a journalist I did respect. Um, in, in the in the interest of fair disclosure as well, I sent you the link of Ariel going off the next one and you're like, did you watch the interview? I go, nope, I'm a headline reader. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, no, I, I'm kind of catching up on on some of the results here on uh, on wrestling headlines, and uh, yeah, that's. I mean, I I will not that you need it, but I will give you the severity of Owen Hart because the severity of Owen Hart, as it will always come up on this podcast, was bungled in the worst way with the show continuing. Yeah, but uh, in the sense of how you're trying to describe it. You know, it sounds like they cut away from the fantasy to prove the real world. Right. If that makes sense. Right. The the severity of this. And in wrestling, it's very much seen as a negative if you cannot finish the match. Mm -hmm. I I go back to um, Big Cass when uh, Enzo and Big Cass finally split up. Oh, oh, that's not even what I thought you were going to go towards. And Big Cass, I think, tore his groin or tore his something to do with his leg. And he was outside the ring. And I just remember he got so much flack for not jumping up and at least getting in the ring and getting the pinfall. He stayed outside and got counted out in the middle of a match where he was absolutely dominating. But like he pulled his quad or something like that. Hmm. And all of a sudden they have to award the match to Enzo, which puts Enzo on a little bit of a different trajectory than I'm sure he had. But it's one of those unwritten rules where you have to finish the match. If you can finish the match, if they're turning the cameras away. Yeah. Hangman's not in a situation where he's going to be able to finish the match. Yeah. And I mean, especially to, you know, brought up in the news cycle this week, um, Adam Cole's status where, you know, Dave Meltzer, talking about it being a concussion issue or very, very bad concussion issue. So you have an instant like this where, you know, hangman takes a lariat and doesn't get up. Your Mm. initial thought is head neck. Is it a stinger? Is it a back injury? I mean, we're what less than a year removed. Granted, it's a, it's a suplex on the floor, but we're less than a year removed from biggie almost dying, let alone the positive outcome looked like oh at least he'll only be paralyzed based off of how he described that injury and what doctors mentioned to him uh and he's okay he at least has quality of life which is nuts you know it i have to be completely honest um at the beginning of the match hangman attacked uh john moxley in the crowd and then did the the moonsault off of like the the entrance kind of walkway in the crowd i can't think i don't i don't i can't think of the specific word for it and as he's getting ready to do this, I'm like, oh, God, please don't get hurt. Because the thought of, like, how much the the limit has been pushed to where you're just like, yeah, Hangman almost every match does this fucking Orihara moonsault often to the floor. This time it's out of the fucking balcony. You know, it's just that thought of, like, God, these guys push it so goddamn much. And then for an injury to happen off of a lariat, it's not surprising in a sense it's like somehow for a lot of these guys they get away with the craziest stuff but then a move that you take every match is the one that just catches you the wrong way and something can happen look at santana uh at blood and guts yeah i think he just landed like just landed a uh, a move incorrectly and we haven't seen him since right you know uh it's it's such a crazy industry a crazy sport that you're a hundred percent right. Like moves that they've done a hundred times. And it's just that one time where it's just a millimeter off just can be a life changing situation. It's uh, yeah, it's scary, but those are the moves that they can pull off that look worse <laughs> than what they actually are. I mean, that's why we tune in. It's, it's NASCAR. We, we tune in for those car wrecks. It's just, you know, we don't know as as viewers the severity until you don't see them for three or four weeks in a row. So 
it it is a shame in that like obviously right now like my mind as a wrestling fan having watched that is just like god let that let that guy be okay because he is an amazing performer and for all that we know outside of the ring he's an even better person so you just hate to see something like this happen right um you know and whether go ahead no no go ahead go ahead i'll but Come back to me when you're okay. done yourself. I was going to say, like, whether or not we would have seen the final five minutes still happen, which was essentially MJF. I don't know if you caught the promo he had with William Regal in the ring. This is, this is basically where I was going to go anyway. So phenomenal. And they set the stage with MJF. You know, they've been teasing. He's going to cash in the poker chip like it's money in the bank. But instead, no, he cashes it in the same way it's always been cashed in thus far. Uh, which is in terms of him saying, here's the match, and it's going to be the full gear main event, MJF and John Moxley. And, you know, again, some people might think like, oh, well, it, it's a work because they were going that way anyway. It's like, yeah, you didn't have to protect Hangman with a stretchered out injury. It just doesn't make sense. Like, I, the guy got fucking hurt and they played it safe and hopefully he's okay. So um, did, did it feel like the the last segment between Mox and MJF was kind of thrown together because of the situation or did it feel like it did it seem going really really spur of the moment it really did because they threw it over to Excalibur and Taz and then very quickly recapped what's coming up for Rampage and Dynamite again because they had already done that before the main event mm-hmm. and I think that would have given them the proper time to get the pieces in the place to just be like fuck it we go to this now just set the stage, do what you got to do because you easily could have done that uh, next week on dynamites as opposed to right here at the end. Again, maybe that would have happened uh, regardless, but you know, the full gear pay-per-view is on November 19th. So you have essentially a month to build this up. You didn't absolutely have to announce it here. It feels like they were just like, fuck, we, we got to, we got to do something. Let's just do this and whatever. It's not a big deal because we could still build up this match just fine. You know, it set the stage. Thankfully, that promo set the stage pretty well, regardless of what their original intent was for the final five minutes of the show. Imagine it's not MJF and Mox in there and, and they do have. I'd say maybe half a dozen guys that could be thrown into that situation and do OK. Mm. And imagine it's like Sammy Guevara and Ricky Starks. Two great young talents. Mm-hmm. But you have to throw them out there with like five, ten minutes to end the show that you didn't know you had and what's going to happen. And and maybe maybe those two kill it. Maybe those two find that and that's a career defining moment. Or what I would fully expect is they've got no idea what to do. You've got two absolute professionals in there like, thank goodness, in that scenario, as somebody who digests this entertainment, it was MJF and it was Moxley because outside of Jericho. Maybe you don't even have a half dozen, honestly. Like, I'm even thinking, like, what what if the Young Bucks were thrown in there? I don't know that they're quite there yet. I don't know that Omega is quite there yet. I, I think he is. But given their situation, obviously not there. So can Daniel Bryan do that? Like you got two guys who give them a microphone and get out of their way and they'll, uh, they'll just absolutely nail it out of the park. So it's, it's really weird. Cause it's just a bit of a shame right now where, you know, like I said, there was so much going on in regards to AEW this week, you know, last week's dynamite in Toronto, while it wasn't like, I think as big of a deal as I think a lot of people thought it could have been, I still thought it was a pretty damn good show. You know, you had Orange Cassidy winning his first title in AEW. And then this week's Dynamite, like I said, I thought was awesome. Um, the in-ring work was was great. Um, anytime you get Dalton Castle on my TV screen, I am always going to be absolutely overjoyed. And hopefully um, he did have that good enough showing as to where it's like, OK, if he wasn't already going to be a Ring of Honor regular still, then I mean, granted, he's a current tag champ right now. Um, basically, I want to see that guy on my TV. <laughs> I do. Um, again, for the bingo card, having watched him a lot in Chikara back in the day, it was just a really fucking good dynamite that unfortunately just at the end of this, you know, 
all I'm the tr- negativity of the week, all the positivity yeah. of the week. Fuck that. It just doesn't matter. All you're hoping for right now is a fan of it doesn't even honestly, even if you're not a fan of AEW, all you got to hope is that one of the best wrestlers in the world today. I do not think that's up for debate. Um, all you can really do is hope that one of the best wrestlers in the world today is is OK after a very scary situation, frankly. I'm even trying to think of like. Attitude era. Uh, WWE at its height. If I could ever remember a moment where they were kind of thrown into that situation and, and you know that they were. But. Like. Outside of like mankind, hell in the cell. Where everything after the throw off the top of the cage was ad lib. And shouldn't have gone on, but thank goodness it did. Um, you know, how many how many opportunities do you remember? Uh, even Nitro. Uh, how many opportunities did we see as fans that were thrown together in the moment? Other than maybe Vince McMahon tearing his quads at the Royal Rumble. Mm. <laughs> Which was not handled. How do you handle and two? That only oh, happened because Cena and Batista both accidentally. That's the story is that they yeah. were not meant to do the Brett Luger spot of both hitting the floor at the same time. It was a pure accident that looked as amazing as it did. Right. You know what um, I miss? Though? I miss Shivani WCW where he's like, eh, coming up. Uh, we've got him. Ma- what? What? No, we're not doing that. <laughs> All right. Okay. Apparently, we're going to hear from Ric Flair in the back. Just right. take it away. You know, like those moments, I I genuinely miss because they're they do feel that unscripted, whether or not they were or not. Um, you know, arguable. But uh, I don't I don't know where I'm going with this one. I just miss I miss WCW Shivani. I don't think we have him in AEW yet. Eh, he's had his moments. I'll say fair. He's had his moments. Fair. I don't think he I, I actually would say intentionally he doesn't want to become necessarily a caricature of himself from almost 30 years ago. You know? Yeah, no, that's fair. Let me let me ask you this, because there was a there was a story that I was reading earlier this week about Tony Storm um, wanting to get rid of the interim title because uh, obviously she did not beat the champion at the time um, Thunder Rosa. And so now she's got that interim with everything going on. In AEW, especially what we've seen over the past, call it this year. I was going to say six months, but 2022. Mm -hmm. How do you feel as a fan about the interim title on championships when they're relinquished? And we haven't really seen very many opportunities in professional wrestling, especially in one company where they've had to go, okay, this guy's injured, so now we need to do a new tournament. Okay, this guy's injured, Mm. this girl's injured, now we have to do a new thing. Like, the champion has had a hard time retaining only because the champion has had a hard time staying healthy in AEW in 2022. This is by far the most difficult year AEW's had in their young existence so far. Easily. You know, this is going to be a year that's remembered for better or worse. And unfortunately, you know, fortunately most instances, it is going to be for worse for this company, Uh, whether it be drama backstage that we have seen spill over a countless amount of injuries, the decision to purchase ring of honor, I think as well has loomed overhead all year long. Uh, Hmm. mainly due to their inability to get it onto television proper. And as a result, you've seen it's focused on so much on, you know, Dynamite, especially Rampage. You know, people talked about 2022 being the the year of uh, growing pains for this company. And I mean, shit, like, I don't want to make light of the, the hangman situation tonight, but it's like, it does just feel like another blow. Where it's like, oh, another injury to a very important piece of the, you know, successful AEW puzzle. Um, it in terms feels of the, like, it almost feels like this is the way that they're handling. Like we've talked about the the critical mass of the mm-hmm. roster. It's it almost, and I'm not suggesting that they want their wrestlers to go out there and get injured, but now, uh, guys like uh, Keith Lee and Swerve might be able to get a little bit more of the spotlight if a guy like hangman is out you know give them a couple months 
don't rush them back. But again, and I'm not suggesting that they're putting them in situations where they are or should get injured. But when you've got the roster that they do, like I'm I don't know if they furthered that storyline or not, but I'm I'm really looking forward to the the Keith Lee swerve breakup and eventual feud between the two. Uh, I don't know I if mean, that's they a, set those two up to face FTR on uh, Dynamite next Wednesday, which is going to be fucking awesome. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Um, yeah, it's just it's so weird because a lot of like what I'm, you know, I don't want to say sarcastic or like. I guess we will go with sarcastic, like. I think a lot of what I would have brought up would have been somewhat sarcastic in tone, kind of like I mentioned the whole Ariel Hawani thing where it's like, boy, you don't come off looking very good in that situation. Um, Or the idea of, you know, again, having to mention certain injuries or the interim tag, like you mentioned, a ring of honor. And there's just so much related to AEW that I was excited to talk about. And now I'm just like, all right, I'm sitting here refreshing Twitter constantly. It's like, I've taken note that like, Hey, Tony Khan hasn't tweeted in in an hour. His last tweet was hyping the main event. That guy always tweets throughout the matches, mm-hmm. especially at the end of the show. Thanks for watching. He's been dead silent. So again, for anybody who's like, oh, it's a work. But then again, they'll just be like, no, he's really putting in the effort to sell it and make you believe. Um, oh, I'm yeah. I'm I'm off the the Tony Khan bandwagon. That's as, fair. As stated, as did you see? By the way. Um, He's actually got a meet and greet with no other wrestlers. It's just meet and greet Tony Khan at I can't even remember. Was it Cleveland too? like where they are for Uh, Dynamite? Newark for full gear. Gotcha. Uh, In Cincinnati tonight. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, Yeah, like. That's. That is like the epitome of the reason why I think somebody needs to get in there and kind of the reins a little bit as far as professional wrestling goes because now Tony Khan comes off to me like he bought this to become a star he hasn't done himself some favors over the last little bit I'll admit to that Um, Uh, and sorry just to not to spend too much time on that going back to last week with um, AEW finally coming to Canada in Toronto uh, I can tell you as a Canadian a lot of I didn't know Ethan Page was Canadian until the week of and to get a spotlight on him to get a spotlight on Sean Spears again coming out with the perfection and the 10 uh, kind of vibe as well uh, was amazing. Um, there's a there's a local wrestler that I talked to about uh, Mo Jabari. He goes by Kid Chocolate. He's actually being trained by Bret Hart. He managed to get on dark. The the, the Vinky twins who are from vancouver uh or british columbia somewhere um they got a spot on dark like as a canadian wrestling fan uh, and that it kind of goes back to my fandom of bret hart once i found out that these guys were from canada you kind of put a little bit more into them that i don't know i don't mean to put words in any american's mouth but i don't think an american feels the same way that a canadian feels when they find out that a professional wrestler or a um, a professional athlete of any type, you find out that they're actually they're from Canada, like Joey Votto or um, who's the guy who uh, just signed with the Dodgers from the Braves? Oh, Freddie Freeman. Fred Freeman, Canadian. Like those things are cool to us. Like we actually broke through this barrier of that's not there, but we I don't know if we place it or if America places it, but. Once you figure out that they're Canadian and you take a little bit more pride in them as as a Canadian consumer of of the entertainment. Did you ever so, think about that, Tugi, as an American? Did you, have you ever thought about what it's like to be a Canadian to find out Canadians actually are good athletes? Somewhat because people treat my state like it's part of Canada anyway. And, you know, for a little bit there it was. So, <laughs> Fair. so yes, in some ways, actually, I do. Um, so, hey, if you made it through the opening 24 minutes of this podcast or so, thank you. It might have been a little bit uh, disjointed due to the uh, incredibly unfortunate end 
of again what i mentioned was a great dynamite i you know i recommend people you know that might have you know kind of been like eh, it hasn't really been clicking for me i thought it was a phenomenal episode absolutely great um that said in terms of other talking points this week we do have some questions most of them are uh a bit meme worthy <laughs> kind of like what we kept for the uh Tukey's Take podcast for the hockey side of things. Um, so I'll leave it up to you. Do you want to go there, maybe answer some meme-worthy stuff, or do you just want to kind of get into talking about uh, the, the happenings? Maybe we should just get into the happenings of the uh, the WWE side of things, because it was a pretty interesting week there as well, uh, you know, in the aftermath of Extreme Rules last, or yeah, Extreme Rules last weekend. As long as you give us time to talk about one of the greatest anniversaries that just passed, because that's actually one of my favorite parts of the pod that's developed in the podcast. And I think I think, you know what I'm talking about. I have no idea, actually. 30, 30 years ago. 30 years ago. Just we'll we'll come back to it. That's the tease for people to, to stick around. But let's hold on. It's Saskatoon. It, Saskatoon. Yeah. <laughs> October 92, baby. Do you want to jump into that or do you want to? Oh, God, we should. Why I'd not? Rather, you know what? Let's let's give everyone run, the free space on bingo. Yeah, let's run through. Let's run through mailbag. And use Saskatoon as the teaser. OK, because I think there's I think there's one or two questions that we'll spend a little bit of time on. Um, yeah. And the other ones like I don't want to spend any time talking about Waba plays or his question. You don't want to answer is a jellyfish a herb? No, it's not. But is it an herb? My grandfather's name was his middle name was Herb, but he went by Herb. Fair it's, enough. Uh you don't want to answer from Grisgol is cereal soup? No. Okay. It's cereal. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Stop with these. Like a hot dog is not a sandwich. It's not. Is it, Toogie? No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to sit here and be quiet and let you take all the heat from the internet, though. For once, I don't have to be the heat shield. Pineapple does belong on pizza because it's delicious. With a little bit of ham and cheese. Mm-hmm. Not wrong. Speaking of heat shields, all text, why is MJF the best uh, wrestler of all time? Well, he's not he's because not. Saskatoon. He's not. He's the hottest thing in wrestling right now. He's he's getting there. If he keeps cutting promos like he did tonight with Regal, you have to make sure you go watch that because that was uh, a very captivating yes. segment that, I don't know, maybe some people will find polarizing in hindsight. Here's, here's my fear with MJF. His mouth is cutting these amazing promos. His in-ring work has always been solid, but he's getting into that echelon and he's almost getting, I'll compare him to Stone Cold Steve Austin because he doesn't need to be the baby face. He needs to continue this character of not caring, but it's going over, right? He's the heel that everybody loves. He just needs to make sure that the in-ring stuff continues to grow as well. I'm not saying that it's terrible. But what I am saying is he's at that point where he could be, if he jumps in two years, he could main event a WrestleMania based on the promos. But the work needs to be there as well. Again, not saying it's not, but I think there is room for him to grow there as well and become one of the greatest. I think it lines up with the idea of him headlining a pay-per-view with John Moxley in November. A big, yeah. big match for him in terms of, you know, putting on, not that he hasn't, but in terms of putting on like that high level main event level performance still like he's proven it before. But, you know, it's another opportunity to, to reaffirm, I would say. Look at John Cena. John Cena had a move set of five moves, but it seemed like every time he had the opportunity in a main event of a pay-per-view, he always pulled something else out that we'd never seen before and made it captivating and made it um, made it must see wrestling. Like the the spot with the big show in the in the spotlight comes to mind. Like we'd never seen that before. So I think MJF needs that that next gear. And I think uh, at the next pay-per-view, I think, like you said, it's a, it's a prime opportunity to show what he has. So uh, MJF is not the greatest of all time. Saskatoon. Keep going, though. Keep. I think there was one other one that I'm very interested in answering. 
there's two others that we have. Uh, the first one is whether or not Danhausen will ever be a champion. Tag team. For sure. I'm sure I'm honestly like I'm kind of surprised in a sense with how much AEW likes to do like throwbacks because like, for example, the all Atlantic championship that a lot of people are like, okay, this, why we didn't necessarily need this is a WCW style throwback to like the, you know, Grandy already had the television title, but it is, it is a throwback. And, you know, back in the NWA days, they used to have the second tier tag titles. You know, your men's got a second tier title. The women have a second tier title now. Mm-hmm. They used to always have a second tier tag title. I'm kind of surprised in the sense they didn't do that. I mean, number one, that tag division could sustain it. But the idea of like, oh, yeah, here's here's Hook and Dan Housen's from that particular title. I don't think they'll ever put a title on him. I don't think they will. And if they yeah. do, it's one of those like one week deals for the the pop, the attention. And then you you move on type of deal. Or they do like the, the Chris Jericho beating Triple H, but then having to surrender the title back the same night. Yeah, I was going to say uh, that happened to Jeff Hardy as well, I think, where yes. Yes. he won, but it was the wrong referee or something like that. Yeah, uh, he's he's a comedy act. He's Santino Morella with face paint. Um, now, granted, Santino Morella, when he was Canadian. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and damn proud of it. Um, you know, he did have some pretty decent uh, U.S. title reigns. He had the Intercontinental title reign to start. Um, yeah, I just... Danhausen is a special breed of wrestler that's very entertaining. And honestly, doesn't necessarily need a title right. to get over. He right. just needs to catch a pair of sunglasses. You know, like, it just... He's... He's a very entertaining individual, but I don't know that you put him on the same level. And I'll use the two names again. Uh, Ricky Starks, who held the the uh, FTW title for quite a while, and Sammy Guevara, who had a very successful TNT run. You know, I don't put him on the same level as those guys as far as where they are right now and where they're going. And I don't know if there's anything that current day Danhausen can do to get current Danhausen to that next level. He's not a big guy. He's not like you said, it's, it's gotta be one of those like, Holy crap. He actually pulled it off. Right. But then the next week he, he loses it again. Yeah. I honestly, the Santino comparison is great. You know, I think, you know, one of the most memorable moments of his WWE run uh, was the rumble. I think it was 2011 in Boston, the one that Del Rio won, the 40 man, where mm-hmm. he shows back up and it's like, holy shit, he's going to win the Rumble. And then he doesn't. But it's it's the hope spot that the crowd yeah. will always react to, to this goof, maybe actually doing it. He's He's, he's got the, a spot. And he's that's, the ultimate underdog in any situation he's in. Right. Like, that's a better spot. No offense than Tony Nice. You know, like Tony <laughs> Nice is a great fucking wrestler. That dude is in absolutely absurd shape. I don't know how many people are buying a ticket to see Tony Nice, but then there's Danhausen, who is an average in ring wrestler by the modern standard, and people 100% buy tickets to see Danhausen. Yep. I could see, I honestly, I could see him winning a tag team title with like a a Wardlow or somebody who needs a tag team partner and he pulls Danhausen out of anybody out of the back and it's like a dominant wrestler who wins the title on his own and Dan like he's the Nicholas of AEW hmm. basically. If a 10 year old kid can win the fucking tag title in wrestling then god damn it Danhausen can win a title in wrestling and probably will. Our final question. Well actually Saskatoon Saskatoon. If you want, it's up to you. I should talk about it really quick because our final question will kind of lead us into WWE discussion points. Um, Yeah, you are right that we just passed, as absurd as that is, the 30 year anniversary of Bret Hart's first WWF championship victory beating Ric Flair for the title. I don't have to look any of this up. I know this by heart, baby. Beating Ric Flair for the title in Saskatoon 
on what I believe was an untelevised show that later aired, the match later aired on the VHS tape Smack 'em Whack 'em, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> that part because I did not 90s. Know. Yes. What move? Do you remember what move? I beat him in the sharpshooter, baby. Yeah. Do you remember what move set up the sharpshooter, though? It was kind of uncharacteristic for Bret Hart. I don't actually. I want to. I want to say he countered the figure four or some something of that effect, but I can't Super say it with certainty. Superplex. Ah, okay. Fair enough. Oh my god. Hey, I was right. Hart won the title in Saskatoon October twelfth. Not originally aired on WWE television. The match was instead made avail- available on a series of uh, Coliseum slash WWE home videos. One of which was Smack and Black. <laughs> you are such a nerd i'm a fucking gigantic nerd it's awesome it's awesome um yeah like my my hockey nerdum nerdum is only uh surpassed by wrestling and it's it's a pretty big gulf between the two as well right um yeah man brett won his first title had a decent little run you know he had a nice little underrated match against Shawn Michaels at Survivor Series. No, not that one. Uh, had a Rumble match against Razor Ramon, and then we won't talk about how he lost the title in one of the worst booking decisions in the history of wrestling. That ended up being the Bob Backlund to Diesel transition, didn't it? That was... Oh, no. That was um, Hulk Hogan. Oh, at WrestleMania 6. Six nine. WrestleMania nine. 9. Caesar's parking lot. Brett lost it to Yoko, who then immediately lost it to Hulk Hogan. And the story Brett tells, and I believe it, Hogan had agreed to drop it back to him at, like, King of the Ring, and Hogan fucking balked on the deal, loses it back to Yoko with the fake photographer. Yes. You remember that? Like, a photographer, it was Harvey Whippleman, I think, gets on the apron, and bang, the camera blows up in Hulk's face like it's a fucking Batman comic. So and then Yoko loses the belt back to Brett at WrestleMania 10 yes. after defeating Lex Luger earlier in the night. And Owen Hart beating Bret Hart earlier in the night. Yes, the best WrestleMania opener of all time. And then later on that year in 94, I think it was Survivor Series 94 because SummerSlam was Brett Owen in the cage. Um, Survivor Series 94 was when Owen threw in the towel for you know in brett's favor or got helen to throw in the towel to stop the match and that way backlin beats bret hart after a five minute long cross face chicken wing (laughs) (laughs) and then like three days later at madison square garden diesel beats bob backlin in a house show and wins the title yeah just a kick to the gut and jackknife powerbomb yes sir i just recapped two years of the wwf title and pretty Pretty quick. Success. All right, Sporacle. No, um, going back to Saskatoon though, like you're you're a hundred percent right to bring up like the era that we didn't know about this stuff until like the following, like that would have been like a Wednesday house show or something like that, and we didn't know about it until um Superstars came out on the weekend. I don't know when Superstars came out for you guys, but for us it was well, you weren't. You were I was even alive, alive, really, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, For the record, October twelfth, nineteen ninety-two, was a Monday. So a full week, basically a full week had passed, um, before we knew about it in Calgary, the home of Brett the Hitman Hart, Calgary, Alberta. Uh, but yeah, like it just it it was so un fathomable that's a big word for me that a title could change on a house show like that never happened and doing a you know finding out due to rick flair's podcast he had an inner ear issue that he actually had to drop the title and it they were doing the circuit with brett and rick flair and and you know i've heard so many stories of what about that guy? Like, they're like, okay, we're in a situation where somebody needs to pick up the title. Somebody needs to run with it now. And Vince just looks down the hallway and goes, what about that guy? And they step up and they, like, uh, Adam Copeland. Uh, what was it? 
Ken Shamrock missed a flight and in a non-televised um or was that a pay-per-view? Either way. Are you referring to when he beat Jeff Jarrett for the Intercontinental title? Yes, sir. God, I'm such a nerd. Um, yeah, you're right. And then like it was untelevised. He won it in the Sky Dome, and then there was the pay-per-view, I think, in Hamilton the next night or some shit like that. Oh, he comes out on Raw oh. and they're like, he won it last night. And I can't remember. I don't think he it was untelevised. I'm pretty sure it was untelevised. Either way, you know, it was down the hall. Uh, I had the opportunity to talk to the honky tonk man. I'm like, how did it come or be come to be that you were the guy for the IC title, which arguably is the greatest uh, intercontinental title run of all time. And he he basically said, like, Vince looked down the hallway and said, you get out there and win the title. You're next. Like, no, no build up, no nothing. Just you're now the next guy. So, but the world title, which Hogan dominated the late 80s, early 90s with a few drops to so-and-so and this guy and that guy and then picking it back up and running with it. Like, he had a really good, like, five or six-year run there where he dropped it two or three times. But to find out that a title, a world title was won in an untelevised uh, event... And to find out on the Saturday after the Monday, like everything about this was just amazing in how much secrecy and how much we didn't know about it until we tuned in four o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. And for Bret Hart to win it in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, which it doesn't get very much more Canadian than that. That's his first title reign. Uh, Like just absolutely amazing. We'll go to our final question, and it does bring us to kind of our WWE topics for this week's show. It comes from Hawks. You're given the reins. I see what you did there to book WrestleMania 2022, uh, or WrestleMania Hollywood 2022. So I believe he, yeah, it's next year, 2023, and then 2024 is the one in Philly, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it was, um, when I saw this, I was isn't Texas 2022, and then yes. oh, okay, no, we've already passed WrestleMania 2022. Yes, so I think it was a typo. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, penultimate match and the main event. Okay, so when I saw this question, I wanted to throw out a few caveats to you. Mm-hmm. Current roster, mm-hmm. rumored roster, yeah, and dream match. Like things that, as we've talked about, things that can't happen but would be absolutely amazing if they could, given the, given the. So current roster. Uh, I'm going to go with, I think like a, a Becky Charlotte or a Charlotte, uh, Bianca, like the two hardest working women at the time taking the Saturday and then the Sunday, uh, Cody Roman Reigns. So see, I read this as like penultimate is in like, if it's a one night event, Gotcha. So for, so for me, if, judging it off of that basis, if it's a one night WrestleMania, the penultimate match, gimmick battle royal. Put the <laughs> legends out there. You can get some cheap pops, but for the most part, it's a cool down match before the main event. Don't put right. somebody in the death spot or risk the main event not getting the reaction that it should. The crowd. I mean, granted, you know, WrestleMania 17, Triple H and Taker did go on directly before Austin and Rock. But yeah, for me, I think you need to have just something out there for five minutes to just give people a chance to breathe. And the realistic main events, if we're going off of current roster, would be Roman and Cody Rhodes. So let's go rumored roster. And I'm I'm gonna I I like how you're thinking. I'm gonna stick how I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that something like an Alistair Black, um, Bray Wyatt would be amazing. If there's, I hate if there's a title involved, but I I do think the title, a uh, heavyweight title, should be on the line in the last match of the night. Um, and then. For uh, Rock Roman Reigns, 
we've talked about it that that's kind of the rumor of where they are going you know the the uh media availability for black adam and rock acknowledging you know there is a head of the table and you're looking at him mm. you know a, a good build-up for the video package that will lead into wrestlemania everything's pointing to roman reigns and the rock at wrestlemania and i think that would be the uh the match they end on yeah uh, i mean yeah it's tough to be like it's tough to really even fantasy book in a sense anything else other than that aside from the idea of would you want to split up the titles um but i feel like if you were to do something if it was a two-night wrestlemania and you have like cody beat roman night one for one of the titles and then have roman rock night two for the other it would probably telegraph a bit too much as if it's not telegraphed already the rock's not winning the fucking world title um, but I think it would be interesting to like night one, have Cody win the world heavyweight title and bring back the big gold belt and go on raw as that brand's champion. And then night two, he Roman still beats the rock and then goes to SmackDown as the still WWE champion. And at least that way you can say he is still chasing like the Bruno San Martino record or whatever the fuck that you mm-hmm. want to say he's chasing. You still get that because he hasn't lost that particular title and you still get to get back to having your champion be around most of the time. Cody still gets that moment. You still get rock Roman like that's that's my thought of where they're going to go with it because it, it makes the most sense to me from the outside looking in. I, I would I would only throw out the idea of the rock costing Roman Reigns the titles at a Royal Rumble or at one of the pay-per-views heading into uh, and the promos being you're not the head of the table you have to get through me you know you didn't deserve any of what you've got you know and that have what you had if I didn't set the stage and I chief and the dole we can't mention Jimmy Snook anymore uh no, but the Maya Vias and the Head Shrinkers and, and the Rikishis, they're, that's the family that they don't talk about. Is the Rock, the Rock just comes out and says, you're dad. But you can even scroll back to the, the Royal Rumble where Roman Reigns won and the Rock came out and Philadelphia God, booed the fuck out of the Rock. That's what happened. And I love the Rock's expressions too. Like in that moment, there's, there's a prime example of, of booking on the fly. Right. Where the rock, instead of like going like, you know, come on, what are you doing? He was like. Looking at like, okay, did I not think that this guy is the guy who he is or whatever? And they could easily throw back to that where I've known since that WrestleMania. He didn't try to look like the first lady when the president's getting booed. Right. You know, just the fakest smiles of it's all good. (laughs) (laughs) They're not saying boo. They're saying boo earns. <laughs> but yeah, I, I truly think that there is something there where this is one of those matches that we've talked about where this match does not need the title, but it is absolutely uh, one of those matches you could put on the pedestal of uh, WrestleMania main event. And I hate where they call like all the, you know, like a co-main event or like, oh, this is main event number three or I get the Saturday night main event of you know the first night of Wrestlemania but the Wrestlemania main event is the last match whatever that is. yeah or even winning the Royal Rumble and telling them that they are main eventing Wrestlemania and they're their second last match that bothers me I don't know. Alberto Del Rio winning the Royal Rumble he was on the first match <laughs> losing to Edge yeah in Edge's last question mark match yeah, to that point. Thank you, as always, everyone, for sending in those mailbag questions. Again, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Second Turnbuckle, 2ND Turnbuckle, to get your questions in there to the mailbag. And we record every Tuesday, although that said, we should probably record every Thursday now that I think about it, so I can talk about Dynamite and not have it be a week old, unless Dynamite fully moves to Tuesdays. Um, that said, we do have the uh, WWE 
side of things to really talk about. Uh, first and foremost, the kind of lesser big news, without the biggest talking point of the week, uh, it was announced that WWE canceled uh, their day one premium live event. Fucking hate that the shit. The pay-per-view. Um, they canceled that and that they're going to be kind of reworking pay-per-views. The presumption is less gimmicks uh, in 2023. Good move. Bravo to Triple H and company if you're not having Hell in a Cell as its own pay-per-view and you're actually just going to reserve that for a feud that deserves it, as should have been the case the entire goddamn time because I'm sure it's been proven via buy rates. I can't imagine those themed pay-per-views were successful. Ever. Even 10 years ago, 11 years ago, they had... Do you remember Fatal 4-Way? They had a pay-per-view... Called Fatal Four Way, wasn't because the main event school? was a Fatal Four Way. Isn't it? Wasn't it, it was a main or is it a, in your house though? No, this was in 2011. Oh Jesus! Yeah, they called it WWE Fatal Four Way, June of 2010. It's actually 12 years old now. Why was it called Fatal Four Way? Well, because there were Fatal Four Ways. The, uh, the women's oh no excuse me the divas title alicia fox new champion beating eve torres gail kim and maurice there's fatal four-way for the world heavyweight title ray mysterio wins it ending jack swagger's reign that started with the money in the bank big show and cm punk also in that match and the main event of fatal four-way was a fatal four-way Sheamus winning his second WWE title, defeating Cena, Edge, and Orton in the most 2010 main event I've ever read. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I Speaking of in your house, I actually appreciated when they acknowledged the fact that it was still a pay-per-view, but it wasn't one of the big guys. You know what I mean? Like, in your house, bad blood. In your house, Good friends, better enemies. Like they acknowledge that they're mind they're, games. Mind games. <laughs> they they acknowledge the fact that, like, hey, this is not Survivor Series. This is one of the other ones. But they still put enough emphasis on the uh, on the in your house vibe or whatever that it actually kind of went off. Like instead of. Canadian Stampede being a name that they had to use all the time. Like it was just like whatever the brand was at the time, they could use that because it was an in your house. Mm -hmm. There's something about that that I actually really appreciated and enjoyed looking back now to when we have day one and clash at the castle. And I just, I, I agree with you. I, I'd actually, the way that, wrestling is structured right now where there are no squash matches or job well there are but like it's not the it's not the Saturdays like Monday it's a wrestler versus a wrestler and both wrestlers have you know the the desire or the the storyline to move forward and somebody has to lose hmm. whereas the only time wrestlers fought each other in their storyline were at pay-per-views so instead of like these tag matches and um, like what was a good example, Seth Rollins and, and Rey Mysterio at the Edmonton uh, Raw, where they both had their lines and they both intersected and both their stories move forward after the match. Like Seth Rollins and Rey Mysterio should be a pay-per-view level matchup, but instead we get them on Raw every week. So mm-hmm. I, I'd love to see them scale it back a little bit and make the the matches at a pay-per-view mean a little bit more. But I'd also, as I've said, like Crown Jewel, I've, I've got zero interest in watching Crown Jewel because I know it's just a, a cash grab. Um, oh, you don't want to watch Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley grovel for Saudi blood money? Well, what? big meaty men. Mm. I'm actually kind of interested in that one only because knowing the the history where those two should have met 10 years ago. Like they did the, have a match this year at the Rumble, didn't they? Mm, I'm pretty sure that was this year at the Rumble. 
Royal Rumble 2020 featured. Oh, it was for the title, but he, but uh, it was pretty much established Brock was going to win it because. Oh God, that's right. Lashley beat Lesnar for the title in ten minutes and, and then went out in. and won the Rumble. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit. Oh yeah. my God, that's how Thanks this year started. Man. WWE main roster. There you go. Holy shit. Yeah, I'm... But yeah, like there, there hasn't been like I don't know. There's just something about those two through like the early part of their careers they were already all they were always lined up together because they were always the NCAA wrestling got coming out of college and and what they were able to accomplish that they should have had matches before 2020 like they should have been for 2022 um they should have been in more established storylines back in the two th- in the mid to late 2000s when they were both kind of coming through the ranks and everything like that where now we're getting them where they're really established i i actually like what they're doing with bobby lashley i actually like the fact that seth rollins picked up the u.s title because i don't think i think this is a way that brock can win and not have to deal with the u.s title which i don't think is the right move for brock lesnar the u.s title on him but i'm i'm actually there's there's something about that match that i'm actually kind of interested in uh jake paul logan paul whichever paul it is og kevin bacon whichever paul it is Mm. um yeah i i only want to see him win just for the chaos of it all and there's actually like a push uh on the dirt sheets for him to win just because it would be an astronomical um, push for WWE to have it, like it, it kind of feels like David Arquette all over again but the the media attention that it would get would be just through the roof speaking of media attention then our final talking point Bray Wyatt comes back last Saturday well, not last Saturday I guess the Saturday before last Saturday doesn't appear on Raw Shows up on SmackDown. And um, I'm going to guess during his time off, watched the movie Split a couple of times. Hmm. Because that that's the deal. And it's kind of where a lot of people thought it was going. But it's the idea of the three faces of Foley. It's the six faces of Bray. I'm not it's- saying... That it's inherently bad, but I think clearly that's the direction. It's not the idea of he's going to have a stable and someone's going to portray Huskus. No, he is Huskus. He is the fiend. He is the buzzard. The blah, blah, blah. He's all of it. It's all just different personality types of him. Right. And again, I don't think that's inherently a bad direction or a bad story to be told, but jury's still out. I won't fault someone for being excited. But as I said, before he even showed up back on their television, it needs to properly. I I, I am reserving judgment. I am reserving judgment until six months from now. To see where it is, where it goes, what they do. Because, yes, I get it. New head of creative in charge at this stage, but. As we've talked about already in the short history of the show, they've they've done some things in the Paul Levesque era that I think had those had that been done in the Vince era, people would be like, oh, we need change. Mm -hmm. Uh, A match, you know, at at extreme rules where there's a platform clearly designed for people to wrestle on, but the refs admonishing them for wrestling on it. That happens when Vince is head of creative, not Triple H. I think the reaction's a lot more. more filled with vitriol about how there needs to be change and how this sucks so but you don't you don't have you don't have reservations over bray wyatt you have reservations over wwe and how they handle bray wyatt because bray wyatt uh, will go back to the infamous uh bugs and and worms projected on the map that was his choice (laughs) no but what he did with it you know like 
that character was amazing. It was just portrayed incorrectly by WWE. Uh, Vince saying like, well, let's uh, project. It's WrestleMania. Let's do something big. Let's project worms on the on the ring. Like, no, the John Cena match at WrestleMania, the, the Firefly Funhouse match. I hated it because it wasn't a traditional match. It was just like a, a little a half segment. an hour movie. Yeah, yeah, it was a segment that needed to be maybe like like I go back to like um, Jake the Snake Roberts leading the Ultimate Warrior to the Undertaker. This is before your time, but that was a segment that went on like a couple weeks. I like you said about the next the next piece of the puzzle at the next the WCW movies. Yes. With like Sting going to the White Castle of Fear and spin the wheel, make the deal. I equated it to that. So I loved it for that reason. Yeah. But I mean, it was it was more like a half an hour show than it was a vignette. And, you know, like tune in next week to find out what happened next or whatever, which I think that the Firefly Funhouse went on for too long. But the two guys did an amazing job with it. It just didn't come together properly for me. So. I I agree. I think Bray Wyatt is an amazing talent. He's an amazing wrestler. He just hasn't and whatever he's been given or whatever he's created um, just has not gotten the love from WWE. So I'm kind of in the same boat where I actually fear like I didn't I I watched a lot of his um, his promo in the ring Um I, I'm still reading that there is some talk of a faction where I'm like, this guy doesn't need a faction. Just let him go out there and do what he wants to do. But it scares me now thinking like, okay, if it's just him and he's got all these personalities that he's going to come out as Huskus. I don't want that. I want Bray Wyatt and something else. And if it's, uh, what were they calling it? Uncle Harper. If it's this thing now is like the, the, uh, Festus ring the bell turns into something else and just dominates. I'm for it. Let's do that. Don't bring anything else into it. Don't bring in six other personalities because I just I want to focus in on Bray Wyatt doing Bray Wyatt things. I'm intrigued to see if he uh, tries to portray his sister Abigail again, if that turns Finn Balor back into a pumpkin. <clears throat> if you uh, if you recall that. I don't actually. So they were going to do a match. Sister Abigail, which was Bray Wyatt in face paint and like a mask. I against, that part, yes. Against the demon Finn Balor, but because it was spooky season, I think it was for TLC in December, but Finn Balor painted his face up like a pumpkin. Oh, okay. Just Google Finn Balor pumpkin and image search it. It's. Oh God, we were we were robbed. I think there I think that was the same TLC where there were there was some sort of a failed test or something because that's where Kurt filled in as a member of the Shield. Right. If I'm not mistaken. Ah, uh, uh, yes. If I I get what you mean by a failed test. Yeah. So interesting times. <laughs> We don't have time to go into it, but speaking of guys who can absolutely, except for what he's going through right now, I'm I'm hoping that whatever changes have happened, uh, treat Finn Balor, and it, it sounds like they will. There's there's a lot of investment going into Finn Balor right now, mm-hmm. but she's like, I actually, which which one was it where you? face Roman Reigns and he was on the floor and then the heartbeat went and he, he <laughs> went from like dead to back up like, like that. I actually there was something about that that I actually enjoyed because it was the demon. If it was anybody else, if it was like Santino Marella, like that wouldn't play. But and then because he went on the top rope and it broke, right? And the top rope breaks and then that's the finish. Like and that was like two minutes later. That was ah, so Vince, you've done it again. Oh yeah, this is such good shit. Like, it, I, I wouldn't mind seeing some sort of allegiance. I, I, you know what? I'm, I'm at the point. I want, I want the demon back. I want Demon Finn back. That he doesn't need, he doesn't need to babysit 
Finn Balor does not need to babysit anymore. I want the demon back and I, I want to see him excel. Fair enough. Crash with that, I think our, our hour-long sprint for the week has come to a close. We touched up along, you know, upon a lot of topics. Unfortunately, uh, no update in regards to anything Hangman Page related, but I'm sure hopefully by the time people are, uh, you know, listen to this show that something is out there. Um, but with that, yeah, I think uh, I think we're good for this week. What do you got going on? Twitch.tv slash Crash Andrews on the YouTubes. Search Crash Andrews and on Twitter at uh, twitter.com slash crash underscore Andrews. That underscore be just a little bit tricky, huh? Listen, if you know Crash Andrews on Twitter, he hasn't posted. It's some like kid from 13 years ago, so he's an adult now. He should understand how badly I want this account. Just let him know, please. Can you remember? Can you remember? Like your your password from 10 years ago. I like that you follow, you follow the account. Yeah, I follow what the, the, the second turn. Follow Crash Andrews on Twitter. Oh, yeah, I want to see if he ever posts. Oh, my God. Do I remember I like my his, his four follows are LeBron James, Lamar Woodley, Heinz Ward, and Daniel Tosh. Tosh, that shows you how like how out of touch this account is that he's still following Daniel Tosh. Not if you follow Daniel, Daniel Tosh, Tosh in 2022, your your account should be allowed to be purged. <laughs> like I've I've even like tried to do like the hey this one is uh, this one is uh, inactive and they're not doing that anymore. I should have done it right when I started up because they were still doing like the you could boot inactive accounts or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can follow me everywhere, of course, at Tuggy24, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, TikTok, on the clock, party never stops, or whatever the hell that uh, Kesha song was. More, more Kesha that reference. Kesha song was new the last time at Crash Andrews was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the way to bring it together. Unbelievable. Crash, there's only one way to uh, end the show. You got it. You got one for us, though. I wish I actually had him freaking out 30 years ago about Ric Flair losing the title on primetime wrestling. But I have uh, the penultimate <laughs> Bobby the Brain Heenan quote. I know all about cheating. I've had six very successful marriages. See you next week, everybody. <laughs>